0: hello everyone and welcome to our 11th episode of honesty hour thank you so much for joining us and i'm really excited to um, be interviewing another usc student um but before we get into that i'm going to talk about my week a little bit um so this week i'm actually i just came back to arizona um, just kind of wanted to take some time for myself and be with my family um and then kind of As I said last week, um, a lot of the same struggles with trying to find a job has been weighing on me a little bit, but um, I feel like this week I'm doing a lot better just because I have been taking control and I'm staying on task. And I feel like that's pretty empowering. So it's been helping me a little bit feel, um, just feel encouraged to keep going with that job process. So I would say from last week that we talked, I would say I've definitely made an improvement in terms of my motivation, Um, but, yeah, I feel like I'm doing a lot better and I just wanted to share that with you guys, but Now we can go and talk about our guests. So today we are um, joined by Dan Silva. He is here with us right now. Um, He's a re-entry transfer student studying accounting. Um, He is a huge proponent for maintaining mental health. Specifically, he wants to encourage others to seek seek the benefits of therapy. Through his professional and academic career, he has found that therapy has led to many benefits in his own life and has helped him develop his mental health toolbox. So please welcome Dan Silva.
1: Hi, uh, thank you for having me and I'm glad that you're doing better.
0: Yeah, thank you. How are you doing this week?
1: I'm doing really well. Um, This is the third week so far. I feel like now we're getting to the nitty gritty of our academic like sessions. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's pretty, pretty well.
0: Good. I'm glad to hear that you're doing well. Um, Yeah, especially just with going back into classes being online and getting back into the swing of things, it's it can be a little bit of an adjustment. But I'm glad that you're doing well and kind of keeping up with your course your coursework. Excuse me. Um, but now I do want to dive into talking about you. So um, before USC, you were working at Disneyland. Am I correct?
1: Yes. Yes.
0: Okay. Can you talk about how what led up to you working there?
1: Yeah, certainly. Um, so. After graduating uh, in 2005, I ended up uh, coming going to Cerritos College and I attended one or two sessions every once, like probably every three or four years. But in between that time, after that time period, I decided to go straight into the workforce. Mm-hmm. So I worked at Activision Blizzard for about three years um, and then from there transitioned into working at Disneyland for five years. Um, while I was at Disneyland, um, after my fifth year, I realized that my career hasn't pushed me as far as I wanted it to go. So I reevaluated where I was at, how much time I spent there, and what could get me to the next step. Yeah. And at that point, I was thinking, okay, I want to be executive level in uh, the where I was, or or somewhere equivalent, because I can see them working every day, I can see their responsibilities, and. I could see myself in that position. I didn't quite know how to get there. Mm-hmm. So what I ended up doing was returning back to school. I went and attended Cerritos College full-time, um, kind of switched everything. I, I found a new job. I was working at manufacturing for a small uh, label company and I worked there for full-time 40-hour weeks. And while at the same time, I went to um, had a full-time schedule of classes at Cerritos College. Mm-hmm. And I was going to get an A in business administration with the plan to transfer, get bachelor's degree at the nearby Cal State Fullerton. And then that's where kind of that was as far as like where I, as far as I, I saw at that mm-hmm. point.
0: Yeah, I mean. That's also That's incredible too, to be taking that action where you see like there's a halt in your life and you're not achieving exactly what you want to do. A lot of times people will get stuck in a path and they just settle. And that's awesome that you were not willing to settle. I think that's especially important and kind of sticks with and resonates with a lot of millennials and Gen Zers. They don't want to settle. And um, we are pushing for a lot of the ways that we can do that is obviously through more education, through making connections and you're doing both of those things. You're obviously, you're in like one of the biggest networks now, USC network. And you also have, you're getting a great degree from a, an amazing school. So that's awesome. It seems like you're on the track that you want to be. But you said that you were planning to go to Cal State Fullerton, is that what you said? Yeah, yes. so Cal State Fullerton. So how did that end up being, how did you end up at USC then?
1: It's, uh, thank you for asking That's a very interesting story and actually a very pivotal part of my life. Um, like looking in in reflection of how I lived and what I was thinking at those times I I didn't think the way uh, the way you saw you explained it right now which you mentioned about how I had this ambitious about always not being comfortable being uh settling for something just kind of minimal or something in the medium I wanted more Mm -hmm. I kind of felt that I knew that but I didn't know that that was like a capacity. I didn't know that was special. Like that was like a a great thing for someone to have. Um, It wasn't until an accounting professor at Cerritos College sat down with me and basically told me what he thought of my worth, or at least showed me that what I thought of my capacity was not even close to what I can do. It, It was that kind of discussion in which we talked about my personal life, how far I, you know, what I, you know, the fact that I was a returning student, the fact that I was doing business, right? There's all these little elements that he recognized as potential for doing more than what I thought I could. And after our explanations and confrontations and putting me in these positions of trying to reevaluate myself but at the same time do more, always do more, um, I ended up being introduced to the University of Southern California mm-hmm. and. That's when a whole new world opened up where if I'm going to go accounting, why did I not apply to one of the best accounting schools in the state? Um, not only that, obviously, we have the Trojan Network with all the resources. And that that in itself can help me, um, launch me to the kind of lifestyle that I've been pushing for for so long.
0: Mm-hmm. So that's,
1: that's kind of the transfer right there into the mm-hmm. USA.
0: Yeah, so when you made that decision for yourself to be applying to USC, was that overwhelming for you? How did you feel about that? Obviously, it's a competitive school to get into. Um, also, you know, even if you do get in, it's a competitive environment. So how did that make you feel?
1: How I felt when I was just considering going to USC, I felt so, so much pressure. Like, there was, like, it was another world. I don't, I, I, why why would i even fit in that community how could i even be a part of that like honestly i don't know two things about it other than there's the stereotype of that there's a bunch of rich kids that go to usc and there's a bunch of scandals that happen to the school um they have a lot of money and they win football games i was in my head like where does that fit in my life like why does why does and then i also question myself why does that why does that matter like a school is a school, an institution is an institution. I didn't think two things about it, but once I understood the gravity of what USC could do, then I was all in. Then it was just like, you know what? I I've you know worked for ten plus years. I've struggled for so many so different times for so many different things that I knew that if I if I focused on this, I paid attention to my mentor. I did the things that he told me, and I believed in him that things would happen and they did and yeah. that's kind of that's kind of what kept my head up during this whole time.
0: Yeah that's awesome. And for yourself too I know you said that this professor was very helpful. He was maybe also I don't want to assume but I think he was probably a part of your support system as well. Um so then expanding upon that support system, especially since this is a big decision in your life, um, who did you have um, who was kind of supporting you through this process? Were your parents involved? Were um, Did they have experience with this process of like maybe going back to school or something related to that?
1: When I decided to go back to school, um, I, I've, I think at that point I was 26, 27, and there's been such a distance between me and my parents. It's 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 not that they didn't want me to go to school. I think they would always want me to go to school, but as first-generation parents who themselves didn't go to college, their main uh, story, or I guess their main narrative for me was just go because it's going to be good because we're told it's gonna to be good, but they didn't really quite sell me on the idea and then themselves, which is fine, they didn't know themselves exactly what that meant. Um, but the support I did have was the people that I met at that, at, at Suido's College. Mm-hmm. I, I found a little cohort of students who all had similar dreams, similar ambitions, and had somewhat similar backgrounds in which, you know, their families, maybe there was a disconnect there between where they wanted to go and where they came from. Mm-hmm. And for me, I found a space, a very safe space, so I can be myself, I can open up to them, and it's it's you know that chosen family that people refer to, and being being a part of something in which you guys could really motivate yourselves and inspire each other in a very positive way, something that you don't get elsewhere.
0: Yeah, and I think it's really yeah, it's obviously very important. Um, I can kind of relate to your experience as well in terms of kind of having those, just like having parents who don't really understand what process you're going through so for me my parents they are they're very successful they're both doctors are very successful but I did not want to go down that path and that took them a long time to accept that was that I did not want to go into medicine that was just not for me originally I did just kind of accept that and as it's very similar to like the settling part was just like I thought that's all I could do was just like it's in my DNA to be a doctor like it's like my parents that's what they want to do Um, but they don't have any experience with what I'm going into now. Like with business, they don't really understand business and also on top of them going into marketing and they don't know anything about marketing. So it's just like this process of finding, I get what you're saying, finding that family, building your family through a community. And as you said, yeah, you had a really strong community um, at the college you were at before. And we had talked that you, you were able to kind of extend this community when you went to USC, right?
1: Yes, yes, when I transferred out here, Um, I was very fortunate to have welcomed this the the value of relationships especially these small little groups of people that um, you guys are in the same going in the same direction right like a cohort for example right Um, and when I transferred about five or six of us from the same college going into the same major going to the same university um, we all made sure to stick really close together and have a group meet for ourselves, meet up together, um, we had a lot of help and sponsor, like sponsorship from our mentor who connected us with other students who had similar backgrounds. They were also starting the, the first time as a transfer student, um, people that we didn't necessarily know, knew, but we met them, uh, I think, a week before the first day of school, and we did all this and we understood the value of it. So then we just we just made sure we attached each other. We got each other's numbers. We made sure that we met up with all the time. We ended up joining very similar groups. Um, at this point, it was um, a very much well defined community that we built there.
0: That's awesome. I think. Um... When we go to as transfer students, going to a school like USC that's so large, it can be very daunting to be put in a place to obviously excel academically, but then you're feeling the pressure to excel socially as well. You want to be making those friends and you want to be included in things. and put finding that balance between the two is very hard. So I think, yeah, your experience, it's great that you were able to kind of continue that community because I think that's probably also for me, too, as I said, when, earlier was I just got really lucky as well with my community at USC I was with all transfers I was just we all were going through the same experience as you said you were going through the same experience with all of your friends so it really bonds people to do that and it also kind of encourages us to push ourselves too when you have people kind of going towards the same goals it does really um, challenge us as well
1: And for those who are like introverts out there probably listening and thinking like, okay, that's fine for you because You can talk to people and you can connect and you know They don't frighten you for some reason and I you know, I am a really big introvert I'm only very recently within the last year or two that I started being comfortable not in that my shell and that's only because I, I understood its, it's like gravity. So mm-hmm. I would put myself in these positions and I would practice, mm-hmm. I would practice. And the thing I enjoyed the most about that was not because it inherently inside me, I really enjoyed, like I started really enjoying being around people. That's not it. It's just, I felt like after I was done doing this thing and I feel exhausted because I'm an introvert, I feel like a sense of accomplishment, like I did this thing, I challenged myself, and I'm doing better than I did before. And that to me um, was very rewarding. And honestly, being able to initiate something like that and putting yourself out there has led to so many amazing opportunities for me. Absolutely.
0: I think that's like a big thing too so it might not also seem this way but I am also an introvert till before I went to college I had a really I had really bad like trouble um starting conversations with people also um keeping eye contact was a big thing for me was I just couldn't I was the one when you would make eye contact with someone to look away right away that was just how I was all the time and so when I went to college I was like I don't I want to put myself out there and I think especially with what I was going into, I need to be more social. That was just the way it is in business and making those connections and networking. You do need to be social and have those communication skills. So yeah, it's like completely practice, like is a really great way to kind of develop those skills. And so like one of the things that I would do would be like when I was walking to school or something like that, I would be the one making the eye contact and I wouldn't drop it till they dropped it. It was just like little things where I would kind of build my confidence in doing things um, or I'd like of challenge myself one day be like go walk up to a stranger and just kind of have a conversation something like that and I was exhausted like the first semester I started doing this so exhausted because all I wanted to do was go back to my room and just kind of recoup and just be on my computer and just recharge but I just kind of pushed myself obviously it was just with long days at USC was just kind of pushing through that and I do think it's paid off I mean I think like i don't think i could have seen myself in a position today hosting a podcast if i didn't do those things you know so
1: that's great to hear um i mean just seeing that growth is is always rewarding and Mm -hmm. um I, i like to say to people who who think that okay so you know i'm an introvert i can't i i don't know how to interact with people that somehow like somehow like okay well it, it won't matter. Like, I'll somehow I'll, I'll make it on my own because other people have made it on their own, right? Other people have made it without having to talk to people. You know, we, they say how they are these high up tech people who are very introverted, don't talk to people. And I, I guess that that is a route you can go to. But for me, I it, learning about people, like, we are social creatures. Mm-hmm. Like, whether or not we're good at it, whether or not we like it, whether or not it's easy for us is is very different than than to say that oh man like i mean especially with this COVID era this has made it very obvious to people that man not seeing people is very deteriorating
0: yeah it definitely is and that's something i do want to go into a little bit when we dive into mental health and yeah that's a great segue to kind of go into that so i um i remember you were talking about when we had our conversation earlier how there was a specific experience that kind of just like initiated you to go to go to therapy. And that was with your um mentor, right? Can you talk yes. about that a little bit? And also at the time, yeah. would you consider yourself you hadn't you hadn't really expanded on your communication skills at the time too? Was that yes. Okay.
1: Yes, absolutely. So it was um the reason, the main reason at that point was that. Um, and it, it, it was that my, my mentor had saw something in me that was troubling. It was, a, it was like you said, a communication skill, was unable to take this criticism and be able to grow from it and find an opportunity. Instead, um, I became apprehensive and defensive and I like semi lashed out at, at the idea and that led to a really bad interaction. And then he pointed out like, what's the point of me being here, putting this time in if, if you're going to react in a way where it's negative for both of us. Um, and, and, you know, I didn't really know what that was. And I, I he was, he's been a big um, a supporter for going into finding, you know, more about yourself, whether it's counseling or therapy or some other sessions finding about yourself is really key and important. Um, and so I had these resources to go see a therapist. I had resources from the job at that time. And um, I went to talk to somebody and yeah, it was uncomfortable. I didn't know what I was doing. I thought, I thought, you know, maybe it worked, maybe it doesn't. I've always thought really negative about psychiatry and all that. I've always had this big negative connotation with it. And I think that just stems from how I grew up. but my time when I actually did it, um, I've seen nothing but benefits that came out of it.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I think that that's a really good sentiment to be portraying to our audience, just because it's one thing too, we can talk about a little bit is the difficulty of actually getting to go to therapy. Um, there's a lot of barriers in place that kind of, um, that prevent students or just, you um, Adults, or even even like, uh, yeah, even children, or anyone to find a therapist because it's so hard to go through that process, especially if you are dealing with something at the time. Um, We had talked about this as well, but yeah, when I wanted to get a therapist when I was at Scripps College before I transferred to USC, it was hard. It was so hard for me because I was going through a lot. I was depressed. I had anxiety and. Also, on top of that, I was given by the school a list of names that I had to contact myself. And on, I already had severe social anxiety. I didn't want to increase it anymore by having to have a conversation on the phone. And so it kind of prevented me from really taking advantage of the resources. And once I did take advantage of the resources, a lot of people didn't answer or they didn't take my um, insurance and the school wasn't really being helpful with that. And it made me feel like it was a loss just, I'm going to lose this battle with finding a therapist. Um, and yeah, I just think that there's just a lot of things in place. So how, how were you able to successfully like find a therapist that fit with you? What was that process? Did you experience any difficulties initially?
1: That's a good question. I, the first time I met with a therapist, um, I, the way I remember it it was just choosing a name and going. Like it was it was a fairly easy system and that's because way well, I didn't worry too much about it. I was kind of like, oh, okay, well I have to do this thing. And then second, um, it was sponsored for my employee. So it was kind of, I got lucky at that point, right? I didn't have a lot of like tracks to go under. Like they kind of directed me exactly to, oh, you have this insurance, you're covered through this person, this person's closest to you, that's where you're gonna go. And I was like, okay, cool. Um, My other and I understand not everyone has that same that same uh, situation. And I myself had faced that most recently after I think my third or fourth therapist um, in which I um, had was I was attending therapy at USC and it was a temporary basis, which is most universities had that same policy after I was done with that. um, They, too, sent me a list just like how you mentioned. And I had to go in and pick and unfortunately that was a very very bad experience at that point. At that point I was very much aware of the situation that I was, you know, feeling and what struggles I was going through. And so at this point I I knew that that this was really important and I was very hesitant of finding a good therapist because mm-hmm. I had these real concerns now. Like I I I know that I need to talk about somebody and I hope it's the right person to talk to. Um, I was, you know, worried about, you know, will they understand me as, you know, uh, growing up Hispanic, low income and first generation? Are they going to understand me or are they going to give me some prescribed something just because of just a general, you know, treatment? Um, I was very worried about that. And um, eventually I did find someone. Um, and it's funny because when I did this process, someone had told me that that the finding a therapist is like dating, you have to keep going. And sometimes maybe the first one isn't the right for you. Maybe this person doesn't work, doesn't click. Maybe um, the you try and you can't get it because you don't have the right insurance, or maybe because mm-hmm. your uh, the phone doesn't work anymore, they're out of service, so they can't treat you because they don't f- treat that particular person um, you know, genre of therapy or whatever. It's it's so many layered, complex uh, system, and it ended up becoming such a hassle. And to the deal, like just like what you said, when picking up the phone became like a chore. And remember pushing it back day after day, week after week, and you'd be like, oh, man, I have all these assignments to do. Like, I'll, I'll give them a call later, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it it takes a it takes a really, I think a really strong and like a very. A positive well-being um, mindset at least to be able to be comfortable doing all that and unfortunately when we need that help we're not in that perfect mindset so it's a very difficult system unfortunately and it's definitely not helpful.
0: Can you phrase that perfectly? I think it's yeah, to do all of these things they're expecting out of us. We have to be in good mental health to actually do them. But we're seeking these things because we are not in good mental health. So it's just this like this dilemma of like, what do we prioritize too? It's like, should we obviously, as you and I know, the benefits of getting once you get that therapist and you dive deep into it, there are so many benefits that it's even like. You and I probably haven't even experienced all of the benefits because it continues to grow and expand um, depending on what you're talking about with that therapist. But yeah, it's just a difficult process. And um, yeah, in our first episode, uh, our one of the professors that we interviewed was talking about how, um, especially during these times, it's... For um, black students and black Americans, it's very hard to find a therapist. The first thing is also accessibility is a big issue, especially in certain communities um, that are of low income. It's just very hard to find a therapist that they are actually able to afford. And then on top of that, it's the um, exactly what you talked about too, was the fear of talking to someone who doesn't understand you. Like the whole, um, your background as being um, Hispanic or also just being, um, someone who's kind of re-entering the education system or also someone who's grown up with um as first like first generation um parents and things like that so yeah it's a hard process and it's it's just it's so complicated as you said so many so many different factors that go into it and I think one thing that we should mention is one of the people in our on our podcast team mentioned that a very helpful technique is once you're trying to seek out another therapist, after you go through those sessions that USC provides, ask that therapist that you have to help you go through that process. I didn't even know that was an option until she mentioned it and that's great. Like for for someone to sit down and help you go through your options and really walk you through the process is great. So I think that's like a good recommendation for our audiences. When you're seeking help, seek the help of that person that you're talking to already. Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like seek help for the seeking of a help. For sure. Like I didn't know that either. And I think that's a brilliant idea. I really wish I would have had somebody on the line with me. It would have felt so much just less weight on my shoulder. Um even when I have suggested to other people when they're having trouble and be like, Hey, so I can give you the links, I give you the phone numbers, but and I told them I can be there on the phone with you, but I can tell it's not the same. And I, I you know I I think that having that other professional there, especially if you're transitioning like that, having them there with you, someone who knows how it works. um, I think that's a whole nother level of comfort to be able to do that. I think that's extremely important. Yeah, for sure.
0: And I think it's also just that person probably after those, do you know the minimum sessions at USC?
1: I don't remember the number off my head, but I think it was something around like six or eight or something.
0: Yeah. I think it's six to eight sessions. And, um, With six to eight sessions, obviously it's not enough to get to know someone fully, but it does give you a lot of information about that person, especially if they're deep diving into topics and trying to cover it within those sessions. So that therapist probably understands you um, and it's not in depth, but in some sort of way. So they can actually also help facilitate when you're talking to that other therapist, if this is a good fit, what they think about it and give you some insight, which is very helpful. And I think um, can go a long way, but, Uh, As you said, too, you've talked about how all you've seen is benefits from therapy. Um, Can you kind of talk about those benefits that you've experienced um, specifically, like especially like how I mentioned in your introduction, you've created these tools to help you cope with different um, situations in your life as well?
1: Yes, there's been a few situations. I think... um... So prior to my first time going, I, I mentioned that my reasons were more like um, to sharpen my skills and whatnot. But that doesn't mean that I didn't have really good reasons to go see a therapist. That was just my initial at that moment impression to go see them. Yeah. Um, I years before that, I have felt depression, I have felt anxiety, I've had panic attacks, um, and th- that was all just a few years before that. But for me, you know. That, that wasn't reasons to go like or not that it wasn't reasons to go i never thought about going or never did I, <clears throat> excuse me never did i try to go um, and it wasn't until going and for whatever reason that you you have to start it it's a really good opportunity to see the benefits and see what you can gain from it. Like I tell people who do go now, you only get as much as you put in. Um, so the, so the, your most vulnerable, your most truth, that's when you really get to shake the foundation and know who you are. Um, for me, I was able to understand my, my, um, uh, me being able to face, authority figures ended up coming from a lot of things from my past, whether it was like my parents or how I was raised, how I saw authority, how I saw opportunity, all that stuff was coming down from these elements I had no control over. Even to the point where how, you know, there was some conflict in the family. Um, it was, my dad had had some issues and had just come home from um, an unfortunate, like lawful situation. Um, And so he just came home and I was trying to figure out that I had my feelings for him that were very um, They're very negative and then I had these feelings of my family They weren't working well with me like my siblings weren't just they weren't getting me and I could feel tense I can feel stress So that stuff all came out of this one foundational thing of authority and not feeling like I was my my say was being heard um, and, maybe, and that probably strums down from being the youngest and uh, among many other things, right? That are very personalized to me that no one can really solve. Life can't give me the answer to this unless I looked inside or someone else looked inside. And that, that was very important to me to find these insights about how I live. I think it's so phenomenally important to understand who you are. Because moving forward, Especially in the business world, um, you, you should be authentic because you're going to put a lot of effort, a lot of time, um, there's going to be a lot of sacrifices, a lot of struggles, and it's not going to be worth it if you're not going to enjoy what you're doing. And you can really only enjoy what you're doing if you know who, why you're doing it. Exactly. And that that's gonna come out of therapy that's gonna come after looking into deeply who you are and finding yourself in a way um and yeah and i've had benefits like that and even at times where i had personal loss i knew immediately okay this this is a troubling situation i'm i th- i think i'm feeling okay about it like this is pretty terrible but i think i'm doing pretty good i'm like in my head i'm like let me go talk to someone about this. And guess what? Like I was trying to do so many things with this, right? I was trying to departmentalize this feeling, put it somewhere else. I was trying to think about my school. That's the most important thing right now. How do I do this? And I was trying not to feel the feelings that I knew were there. And that's a small thing that chips out of you over time. You don't want that affect your performance. You don't want that affect who you are. You don't want to affect that your relationships around you. So, um, I was able to really face that and being able to be comfortable in these many different situations that I would normally find stressful. And I would normally find tension and confusion. I found answers and solutions. I found ways around it. I found clarity and that made those situations so much more comfortable to be in. And If, if, if there's any one reason like that, I do anything for the rest of my my life, it's going to be, be able to use this tool to discover things that are like the, are going to be the unknown to me later on that I know I'm going to face.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's some really good insight. And I'm so glad to hear that it was just, there's benefits that you're able to see and continue to see. I do want to dive a little bit deeper into, um, the things that you've overcome with therapy. So one of the things that we talked about in the meeting previously was imposter syndrome. That was a big thing that you were facing, especially going into USC. Um, so if people in our audience who don't know what imposter syndrome, it's this kind of internal experience that you feel where you feel like you're you're not adequate enough um, for the environment you are in currently. So it just feels like you're, you don't have the skills and you're just kind of falling behind a little bit from around your peers, I guess, compared to your peers. Um, so that was one thing that you said that you were dealing with. And then on top of that, it was another thing that you were dealing with was um, having your voice heard was a big part of it that you were kind of struggling with too. Um, kind of just kind of sitting in the back, and not really voicing your opinions. So can we talk a little bit about how you felt with those two circumstances before therapy and then after therapy?
1: Yeah, certainly. Um... Being a transfer student coming to USC, um, seeing a good, specifically, even the business school, seeing everyone so much on top of their game. Everyone is um, either an entrepreneur or they have um, these other ideas of what big plans of what they want to do, um, or they're very ambitious and they're ready for the next opportunity, or even the stereotypical typical shark, you know, ready to, to bite at anything and, you know, willing to. to Take, off, take on anyone for whatever the gain is. You see these type of personalities, or at least you think you do, right? right you're perceiving these things coming in and out of the school. Um, and it is a very, for somebody who's not uh, not involved in that environment often, it's a very new and it's kind of a scary culture. And even though that first week I was like, head up, back straight, voice loud, front of the front of the class like the, the top seat um, right next to the professor that was my first week there i was boom 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 i was making friends making names i'm a, pretending to be an extrovert come the second week of class come assignments due, come people present uh, presenting and they're on top of their game boom 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 all of a sudden one little crack and i'm i i'm i'm in the back of the room i'm not talking to anyone i'm not answering any questions I'm in a group of four people in the, uh, is it the uh, the ELC, mm-hmm. and we're doing these very interactive moments. And I don't, I, I I say something, I say one or two things. I have a strong opinion, but man, that person's loud, and he has an opinion. And she she she's like, she's like really in charge. So I'm gonna let her do her thing. Then all of a sudden, you look back at it, and you're like, I have the answer. Like I have mm-hmm. the answer. We failed. I have the answer. I didn't say anything. Mm-hmm. And and that feeling, that was um, I remember. I still remember to this day. It was it was organizational business or behavior at mm-hmm. uh, 304, and I was just like, I, I I need help. Like I I don't I can I know the imposter syndrome is a thing. I told myself that first week I'm gonna go headstrong. It's not gonna it's not gonna phase me. I know this. Yeah. Of course it does. It does. I go seek the help um, at USC, and I was talking to them, and I remember just. Her looking at me and going like, "You, you, you have all these accomplishments, man. You're, you're amazing. Like you're really amazing." And I'm staring at her and I'm like, "I don't see it. I don't know what you're talking about." And then, and then, there goes the, the, um, the digging for the gold, right? The really important things. Why do I not see what she sees? And then we start digging in there, finding this exploration of who I am. Maybe these obstacles in the past that made me see myself in this way get get through that and you know a few semesters later i'm you know interning at um ey over the summer last summer i'm representing usc i'm there with a few other students and i i feel like i'm killing it i'm there i'm presenting i'm in charge i'm talking left and right to people i'm making those connections and i feel a level of self-worth now because of those things that I had to face, um, and I faced in therapy, that's, that's how I did it.
0: Yeah. And I think that's amazing too. Cause one thing I do want to talk about too, is like the imposter syndrome is also very dynamic. It's affected by just a variety of different factors. Obviously your environment is one, um, how you grew up. Um, also just, you know, uh, how you also talk to yourself mentally and things like that. And also on top of that, um, as I said, environment's a big thing. You can experience imposter syndrome in one environment. And obviously with therapy, you can kind of overcome that, but it can come back when you're placed into other environments. And that's something I I also have been kind of dealing with right now with applying to jobs is I see like all of these entry-level jobs and I see like the requirements and I'm like, I don't have a lot of these skills that they have on here for these jobs. And, um, so it's like two to three years of experience in like paid social or something like that, or within, um, the digital platform, like just, um, just like with digital, like allocating digital plot, just digital platform spending and all of this. And I have internship experience, but that's not years of experience, you know, and it's just, I'm just so confused why they expect all these things. And with that came the sense of doubt of, about myself was just that I have been not taking action and I've not been doing enough my whole time at USC, was just reconsidering everything. And so then I went to the career services, um, the career services at USC, and I was showing them my resume. And I was like, what can I do to improve this? Like, I just want to be able to, to have a resume that when it's looked at they're like wow this is like someone that could fit this role and she looked at my resume and she's like that's what i think right now i don't understand what you're saying like she was just like you have a, like you have you've had like five internship experiences in the past you've done a lot of work and you you also have um obviously we know with the marshall uh, how marshall kind of trains us you have those tangible um those tangible numbers in the, in your resume so that people can see the work that you've done. And she's like, everything looks good. I, I don't know why you feel this way. I was like, well, it's just because I'm seeing these jobs, these entry-level jobs, and I'm applying to them. And I do see that they ask for all this experience. And then I'm not getting, I'm not making it past like a certain interview, or I'm not even getting a reply. And she was saying that do you understand how, what the time that you're recruiting into? Do you understand that like, this is a difficult time. So many people are going through this and you shouldn't be feeling this imposter syndrome. It's because of the circumstances that you are feeling like you're inadequate. So it's like also with that, it's I think one thing that helps specifically that's helped me is looking at the bigger p- picture, getting more perspective and seeing it from other people's views. It's just it's it's a difficult time, and that's something I've had to just acknowledge, but also acknowledge my own self worth and all the work I've put into my academic career and also the internship experiences that I've had.
1: Yeah, the uh, finding your self worth is so incredibly invaluable, um, it, and it's I wish it was something as like. It, it sound as easy as it sounds. You just look at yourself differently. But man, is it a lot more complex than that. And if, if it was easy, then, you know, so many people would feel okay. There'd be less people feeling depressed. Like if it was just, you just turn a switch and it's not like that. And it's, it's, um, it's I, I'm hoping that, that this stigma of mental illness of being a negative thing, connotation ends up being eventually let's like give like just away from the society because there's so much benefits that people can get with just talking it out, just mm-hmm. talking your mind, talking your ideas, having it out there and exploring it um, and in whatever way you feel comfortable.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and then like, I guess I have a question too, specifically related to your background as we said, imposter syndrome can come from the environment that you grew up in um, or also, yeah, just like feeling that you're having of not feeling like you're being heard can you talk about a little bit about your background um, and if that affected the way that you kind of perceived yourself? And then you kind of also wanted to go into talking about the Hispanic culture and the stigma that follows mental illness.
1: Yes. Oh yeah. Perfect. So on the topic of the stigma as mentioned, and um, you know, I, I felt prey to the stigma when I was younger. Um, I definitely thought that, that, you know, mental illness is, it's that thing that you watch on TV, and those people are suffering, and people who need you know, the the extreme help, right? That's that's what that's what the idea is. Um, but I think we've seen it lately in the last five or ten years, in which that there's a slow movement of saying, "Hey, you know, it's okay to go seek help, and if anything, it's better than okay. It's actually probably preferred. There's actually a lot more people out there that." could use the help that didn't. And for me, growing up in the Hispanic culture, there were plenty of, um, the, it wasn't said out loud, but it was one of those things where you noobs, the way that people looked at you or you know, whispered or said something that like, that hinted, right? And implied shame and, and sorts of like, okay, well, oh, they're going to, they're probably, oh, they're probably in drugs or probably not blah, blah, blah. And it makes you feel, uncomfortable to even talk about it out loud. Um, and, and for me growing up, um, I mean, I didn't have anyone talk about therapy no one, I, if I reflect on that now, like nobody from the time that, you know, I, my whole childhood to even probably being 18, I heard about mental illness or even, uh, someone seeking therapy, like in, 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 uh, somebody that I knew, um, so yeah, of course I would think it's such a rarity. People, then it's a rarity for a reason, right? Not everyone goes see some. Lo and behold, when you go out to the open world, you see. Uh, when I worked at Disneyland, it was a, a it, it was a place that a lot of people were very um, were very forward with. <clears throat> excuse me their their activism activism for mental illness, and that was because. Uh, the the employment sometimes can be very difficult, and the situations you face working at Disneyland can be very very difficult, and that led to people feeling very down because of what, what situation they were in. Um, and and it's not to you know bag on the employment there. I enjoyed my time there, but I, I did see a, a great number of people suffering because of not being able to have uh, or they just were in the bad situation and. Uh, seeking the help with something that was mentioned. It was something that I could tell that people would just were something that they, they, they applied to doing. And yeah, so for sure, it wasn't part of my life growing up.
0: Yeah. yeah, And I, I think it's, it's also very common for that to just not be a part of people's lives who are within, um, these diverse populations as well. Even for me too, as I said, my parents are doctors, but mental health wasn't on their radar. That wasn't something they grew up learning in their um, just in their education and especially coming from India where they did get their education. It's just not something that's thought of because you're supposed to be mentally strong if you're a doctor yourself. You're supposed to be strong. You're supposed to be that person that people look to for guidance. And it was just nothing that was ever talked about in my house. I think it only started to be talked about when my brother was um, in when he started to go to college, just because he was experiencing a lot of these things that we were experiencing, Mm -hmm. obviously, just this idea of imposter syndrome, but also just general anxiety and depression was a big thing too. And that was when it started to become a conversation, which I don't think should be the case. Obviously, I think It could be so beneficial and there are so many studies that have shown that being open right away with your children and just having open talks and facilitating that conversation to talk about these emotions openly can be super beneficial for their development. And I think that we shouldn't be talking about therapy right when we need it, we should have it be an open conversation as so that people know it's a resource that's okay to seek if they need it so that they don't feel like their emotions are a burden on other people as well. It's that you can express yourself and there is a place to do that as well that's very beneficial.
1: Yeah, absolutely, especially for children. I have a niece and nephew and I know that um, my niece struggled with um, communicating and and working with groups and they had... um, it was a few years ago, they had her put into like this, this counseling session to kind of evaluate if there was an issue where she didn't want to talk to people or she didn't know how to, and there was an engaging factor and it's been, I think, five or six years now, and she is a much talkative, much more talkative person than when I, when she was young, much younger, she was much more uh, engaging. Uh, and I I felt like that was really important for someone like that. And for someone who's young, and you may not know what the answer is, but seeking inner help, like the, the, the actual question is like, what, like, why do you do things? And if you don't have the answer to that, or at least you're not confident in that therapy is a great way to explore that.
0: Yeah. And I think that's also just very telling, like how the ex- human experience is as well. That we don't really, we, well, it's determined a lot by societal factors, but we don't really explore a lot of the intricacies that go into our personality. We don't really explore why we act a certain way. We just kind of accept it, and that's even for when we're perceiving someone else. It's just, it's just the way that. Um, The human race works we try to make shortcuts and make assumptions about people and we don't want to look in deeper and so we see someone who's upset and we're like oh they probably had a bad day but we don't really say what happened what exactly happened and to really think about that um it's yeah i was listening to this podcast actually today when i was on my flight and it was talking about it's related a little bit but it was talking about this idea of trust and one of the things that come, so there's this tribe actually in Morocco that lives within the Atlas mountains and they perceive trust as that you can't really trust anyone because we don't know everyone fully. There's just that whole aspect of just like having this perception that we will never know someone fully. And we don't think that way. We think we have friends, we have close friends that we know pretty well. And when they break our trust, we're like, well, I assume something about you. And then I feel hurt that you did not follow those standards that I had about you. And so it's just this like, it relates back to what we were talking about because it's this idea that we just kind of assume that we know things about everyone, but we don't. And there's so many things and we don't even know that about ourselves. So how are we supposed to know that about someone else? And I think therapy is a great way for us to come more into tune about how we respond to things. How can we respond to things and how can we improve how we respond to things?
1: Oh, I completely agree. Um, that's another level to it is that not only are you finding help for yourself, but I think I found a good a good amount of compassion come out of me out of out of learning about this type of stuff. Yeah. It's just, it's a sense where I felt like I knew more than 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 others in regards to how people are feeling because i did this and i felt this and i went through this and when i see other people and they have they're going through something maybe people may not be able to recognize that maybe that's maybe they're they're struggling because of something or maybe Mm -hmm. they look like they have they're they're showing signs of uh, non-trusting or or maybe they're showing signs of self-hate like they're they're downgrading themselves all the time those are things that you can you can talk to them and be like, hey, is everything okay? Mm-hmm. You know, what's what's happening? Have you talked to anyone about this? Uh, that's my go to now. Anytime I talk to anyone who I get, we're going back and forth about something, I ask them be like, I, I, you don't have to talk to me about this, but are are you talking to someone, yeah. or is this something just in your in in your in your inner self that you put somewhere else? Because I I always highly recommend talking to somebody.
0: Yeah. And I think that's like so on our website too. We are very big proponents of self-compassion and gratitude. Those are big things that are they're just really large components of your mental health. And I also yeah, just going along with the self-compassion, but compassion for others. That is just a skill that can extend extend beyond just helping your mental health. It can also help with just like. Understanding people and communicating with people, and with that, that can go really well with our the degrees we're pursuing within business and accounting. Really understanding people and getting to know them and building those strong connections, so that you can come into tune to know when someone's upset, when they expect higher things out of you, when they are, when they're very um, happy about the results you've given them. So. It's just really understanding and having that emotional intelligence that really can improve your life overall for yourself mentally, for someone else mentally, or even just in your general or um, just in your job as well.
1: Yeah, I think if anyone has the resources to seek out therapy, I think if they've never done it before, and they've never looked inside they never bothered, I think it's 100% worth the try to go to a session, listen in, hear what you say, hear what they say, learn about yourself because there is that opportunity that you show up in another situation. Like you said, you're interacting with somebody and you might see see it differently because you went through that experience. You might see it just slightly differently because you explored something and then you think, well, I, I, I feel for them a little bit more. I feel mm-hmm. that, that there are struggles out there. Man, there's deeper things that's going on with me and there's deeper things that may be going with other people. And emotional intelligence is, I think it's ext- incredibly valuable, especially in today's market.
0: Definitely. I absolutely agree. Um, we are actually coming to the end of our podcast episode. Um, but before we do go, I wanted to give you a chance if you wanted to leave us with any final thoughts. And then on top of that, some resources for our audience.
1: Um, so final thoughts. Okay, so I think earlier I mentioned um, you get out of the therapy what you put out of it. I think that's incredible. Um, I think it's super important. Um, do I think every time you go to therapy, you get something like it's it's amazing breakthrough? No, not every time you go, you're going to expect an amazing breakthrough. There's going to be times where it's effective, less effective. But for me, most valuable times has been... When I realized something about myself, some insight that I never considered about, even though I'm a very big overthinker, I I, I like to self-analyze myself all the time. This was I'll, I'll find nuggets of extreme intelligence, this wisdom that of some pattern that I do and that I've never recognized and that now I'm I almost like it's not a whole new person, but I feel different about how I face things because I understand it a little bit better. It's less confusing, it's less complex, it's less um, threatening and ends up being less suffering at the end of the day. And um, I think that maybe if someone went, maybe found a negative experience or maybe the experience wasn't what they quite thought it would be, um, it, every experience isn't the same. So I think there is always gold nuggets to find out there and you, you can get the help that you seek um it is it is out there i think that's my important message i want to say for resources um at usc i was a big fan of the korshak center um i'm Mm -hmm. not sure people were familiar with it but that helped me a lot in regards to stabilizing my schedule finding a peace of mind sometimes i used to love being going to the little quiet room Um, it was it was very peaceful um join i think organizations I think are great especially mm-hmm. when they help you attach yourself to something you love mm-hmm. not necessarily something that is super productive or great on your resume but something that you love whether it's movies or books or hiking or um i don't know some weird odd things that, that people find fun to do as hobbies like i don't know they 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 exist there's a club for it somewhere. So some so social circle, go find yourself, put yourself in there because that's going to make you feel happy. And that's going to make you feel relaxed and you need it. Everyone needs it. Don't, don't, don't undervalue it.
0: Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. I really appreciate it hearing about um, your journey with mental health, as well as your academic and um, just career background. And I think you provide some really valuable insight for our audience today. And I truly appreciate you being open with us.
1: Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate your time.
0: All right, well, um, stay safe and healthy and uh, with the best of luck uh, with the rest of your um, academic progress at USC.
1: Thank you, you as well.
0: Bye-bye. Hey, everyone. Um, I hope that you enjoyed our episode that we had today. Um, It was great to talk to Dan and hear about his process and how he experienced USC life as a re-entry transfer student, but also how he sought out help for himself and was self-sufficient and knew that he needed to take action. And obviously, as we stated, that takes personal strength to do those things. We understand that it's very hard to seek help, especially as I mentioned too, I had an issue with that originally when I when I was um, starting to seek out therapy in my first year of college. It's very understandable, but um, we do wanna be a resource to help you with that and to encourage you to do that through these stories that our guests are sharing. Um, so if you do need help with reaching out, check out our website. We have some great resources on there. Um, the resources are by episode, or we do have a main list of um, resources that you can see. Um, but just kind of wanted to say thank you to all of you um, for listening in, and we will have an- another episode for you next week. Bye-bye. It's not a game, it's a